Hey everybody, today on the Build Your Team show, I'd like to introduce you to Michael Bazinski. Now, we call him Buzz, right? Buzz and I have had a lot of fun over the years together. We actually do a lot of going out and hanging out together and going to toga parties and all sorts of different things. But Buzz is going to share with you today his transition from being a brick and mortar, big building, lots of square feet and everybody coming into work to 100% virtual environment and some of the lessons that he's learned and why he made that transition. Now, as always, we are brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. If you are an expert in your field, but not a recognized expert in your field, it's time to change that, my friends. It is time for you to become the thought leader that your business and your field needs you to be. And we at Client Attraction Pros can help you do just that. Hey, everybody. I've got my friend, Michael Bazinski, of buzzworthy.biz with me today. And today on Build Your Team, we're going to have a really great conversation because he has done what so many of us are trying to do. He's built massive teams for a massive business and then taken all of that virtual. Now his team is 100% virtual. So if transition is a question, that you've been asking about, if fully remote versus hybrid is a question that you've been asking about, yeah, we're gonna tackle some of those today. While we also learn how he is literally helping people double their revenue. So you're gonna learn about how to get better staff and double your revenue. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? you that was a wonderful introduction. Love it. <laughs> you you are worth it because you are buzzworthy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, don't take his, his low key thank you to me any kind of way. He is full of energy, full of life. One of the things that, first and foremost, um, one of the places where Michael and I really kind of bonded was at a toga party. <laughs> toga, toga, toga. <laughs> Dressed up as as uh, in our togas and and having fun. I don't even know. There wasn't even an occasion, right? We, uh, we were at TNC, just, I think. We were at TNC, yes, but like, was there just, wasn't uh, a reason to be wearing togas other yeah. than just the fact that we decided to theme the party togas or whoever Dave who was throwing the party. Dave, themed I think togas. that was his idea. Yes, he decided that yeah, you know yeah, everybody's yeah. in San Diego, therefore we should be Sparta. <laughs> There, there, there it is. <laughs> Just tell us a bit of your history. Tell us about buzzworthy.biz and what your transition has kind of been. Sure. Actually, that's a great way of going through it. So I was actually uh, in service for 10 years after running up a couple of uh, corporate ladders in sales and marketing. Um, they wanted degrees for me to get where I wanted, or I ended up just running into a lot of politics I didn't really enjoy at the corporate level. And yeah. so I joined the service as third generation Air Corps, 
I flew on a plane called AWACS, which is Airborne Warning and Control System 707 with a Ray Dome on top. I was a computer tech there for almost 10 years. And wow. uh, all the while, I was also trying to be a uh, rock star. I was a professional jazz trombonist at the age of 13. That band. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, wow. That band broke up when everybody went to high school because we were all in junior high when that, that band got together. Um, our conductor tried to keep us together, but high school got in the way for most. I picked up a guitar at the age of 15, taught myself how to play, taught other people how to play like other instruments so I could have people to play with. And over the years, had gigging bands and aspirations of rock stardom, but not quite tall enough, dark enough, or talented enough for that gig. So <laughs> I started a recording studio. And about a year into that, I got out in 2005, started Buzz Biz Studios. And it was a recording okay. studio. I had a horrible experience with recording studios as a musician, a working musician. So I wanted a working musician studio. At the time, I had just gotten a divorce. I was up in Alaska where I opened mm. the studio. Lots of things I didn't think about, but I just dove in. I literally had no safety net. January 29th was the last time I got paid by the United States Air Force. And I had two rents to pay, one for the apartment I was living in and one for the studio, which... The studio had one and a half times more lease payment than the apartment that I was living in. So, and after doing that for just 12 months, I realized that surviving off of starving musicians was a horrible business plan. Not that I had written one out. Then I pivoted to an immediate production house for small businesses. And I saw that gap there and I wanted to help those folks. That eventually grew into a creative agency and we had 13,000 square foot facility, multi-million dollar sales years, wow. staff of 22 plus contractors, you name it, we had it. We were going up against the folks, the in institutional ad agencies in Alaska hmm. and we were starting to encroach on their clients because anything that they were hearing about us and they were coming to us and we're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Oh, you're not going to charge us all these other things. And, and back then I didn't realize what we were worth. And so uh -huh. we were always a little less expensive than the competitors. And I had no idea. I was just basically growing my business broke. And so in 2018, I decided that it was time to do something about my life because I had a job. I was CEO and I was sick and tired of it. I wasn't playing with clients. I wasn't getting to do creative stuff. I was just always dealing with the building and employees and blah, 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 blah. Yep. I wasn't getting paid what I was worth compared to what revenue we were bringing in. And wow. so I told everybody to go home. At the end of 2019, we relaunched what is now called Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing. I went from 20 or 13,000 square feet down to 1,300 square feet, and I had a hybrid. I had one assistant at the, in the room. It was actually a three-room office uh, area. Within six months of that, I actually downsized that and went to a VA and staff mm -hmm. and everybody was uh, remote at that point and went down to 500 yeah. square feet. And then from there, within the, a year of launching by October, 2019, when me and my wife moved from Alaska down to Illinois, we went to, a, I went to a co-working space and that was our address. Okay. So technically I don't have any office space, right? Right. And so we've been here in Springfield, Illinois, since October, 2019, of course, COVID hit and I was already uh, about a year and three months in and I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, the only thing I really had to worry about was my clients. 
and we were in, and we were on lock and step. And so we got really lucky with our client list, lost one to COVID. I think at the time we were at 25 on retainer plus the hundreds that we serve through the legacy media company. Uh, that's all on autopilot with a, an account manager that that's all they do is just take in requests for the old graphic design and printing. And then the new team just does website development and website marketing. And we work specifically wow. with service centric businesses. Now that's a history. So <laughs> first I do want to say on behalf of everyone listening, thank you for your well, service. Okay. We do want to definitely honor you for that because that, that takes a special person. So thank you. We're going to talk about staffing, but you said something that I think so many business owners run into that I, I, I'd be remiss if I would let this go. You didn't realize what you were worth. You were grossly undercharging and you weren't paying yourself commensurate with the amount that the company was bringing in. Yes. Do me a favor. Mm -hmm. Just take two minutes, dive into that in terms of what was the point in time when you realized that, and then what was the shift that had to happen to make that change? So what made me realize it made me stop and just understand where I was at as a business owner, we took on a a feature length documentary. And so we went on tour in Italy with a local concert choir. It was only an 11 day trip. One day into it, one part of the building, this building was so big, it had three different meters for electricity. And for some reason, my office manager never could keep track of this one. And it was in this small part of the, uh, of the building that didn't get used all the time, but it powered our print shop that we had in house. And so I get this message saying, Hey, power went out in the building. We got to notice that the, the bill wasn't paid. And I'm like, this is just weird. I was like, okay. So I, I, I messaged the, the manager and I said, Hey, make sure that that bill gets paid, get the power on. We had power on by the end of the day, right? Boom, done. Didn't think much of it, but then it just, all these little swirls of uh, rumors were going around and like people were starting to think that we were going bankrupt and all these other things. And I'm like, Holy cow. So I'm working 18 hour days, uh, you know, on the road shooting, uh, video all day from the time I get up to the time mm. I go to bed. Right. And I'm doing this for 10 days and I've got this on top of me. So by the time I got back, there's a little coup d'etat that had happened. And basically wow. I had a little sect of millennials that you know, they had their complaints. Right. And then at that point I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose about a third of my staff in Alaska. You don't have all those people. Like you can't just go, okay, I just need seven more of those people. Something so then I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to spend the next six months rebuilding this team. It's going to take me another year, year and a half to get them back up to where we wanted. I mean, we had our culture down. We had everything. Everybody was like super stoked to be there. Had people like, Hey, I, I, I don't really like Alaska, but I love what we're doing here. So that's why I'm staying like literally in front of me in my desk, wow. same people four months later going you're a bleep and blah, 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 this is bull crap. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is going on wow. here? And I just could not win for losing. And I'm like, okay, so I keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. All right, what do we have to do to change this? And I just sat right in front of this gorgeous foyer that we had just built. I was only in this building for like three years, right? And it was the biggest mm -hmm. pain in the butt. But anyway, I digress. 
I sit in there going, if I don't do something different now, I will always be in this position. So how do I change it? Where's my biggest pain point? This building. What's my second biggest pain point? All these em employees that I can't seem to keep happy, regardless of who I put over them, regardless who manages them, regardless of all the things we try to do for them. We didn't have any of those cool uh, golden handcuffs or whatever you want to call them to incentivize mm -hmm. these young kids to be around. I'm just going to go, we're going to go remote. There's no reason to have $15,000 hanging over me every month for a building. Just wasn't there, right? That right. was the big shift. And once I went that direction, I'll keep the BuzzBiz Media name, legacy name for the legacy stuff that we're, we're eventually putting on autopilot with, with a team, but not looking to grow it, just looking to make sure those just people to keep maintain getting it. taken care of. And we're going to go forward with this new business because it's going to be virtual. That means the culture is going to be different. That means everything about how we do business is different. 15 years yes. in business, all of that documentation, now crap, worthless. Crap. Gotta start over. <laughs> and oh, by the way, yes. there are no manuals for this. <laughs> so I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Yeah, and that's honestly a lot of why we've created this channel because there are no manuals for this transition to remote first. There is no playbook, right? Right, And you know, you've got some people like Liam Martin who I had on the channel a, a few weeks ago um, who are trying, but he's like one guy in the whole world. We need to, as business owners, support right. each other because I think so many of us can relate to the story that you mm -hmm. just told in terms of there is something in your business that's an albatross. If you can get rid of this one thing, the business could actually take off and be different, but that thing is holding you back in some way, yeah. shape, and form. In your case, the big thing was the, the building. The secondary thing was the employees. Point structure in market where you can't just have that kind of turnover. You can't afford it. It takes so much right. energy to bring somebody up from the lower 48, and then you got to hope they like Alaska. So if they don't like Alaska, and they kind of like you, or even <laughs> if they really like you, hey, man, I really like you, but I got to go. I'm like, okay, where are you going back to? Mm -hmm. Minnesota. I'm like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> like, they just want to be close to their families. Yes, I yes. had much younger staff back then, and when we went remote... It took me about a year and a half to realize that my new demo for employees was closer to 35 plus people who had already mm -hmm. been there, done that already been in the agencies, cut their teeth, already had all this experience because I didn't have the ability to handhold people virtually. What we did know is that documentation was everything. And we used to document a lot, but there was a lot of things that weren't documented as far as the day to day goes, because digital moves so fast. It, it seemed like it was worthless to do it because by the time you wrote it, it was out of date. It was but obsolete. now you have to. Yeah. If you're virtual, yes. you must have that. And so we adopted a uh, program called Trainual. I love it. It's a knowledge base. It We can use it for clients as well if we wanted to. But right now we're just using it for the employees. And it's training, onboarding, our PSA, mm -hmm. uh, how we do certain things, lots of SOPs, those types of things. All of our policies mm -hmm. are in there, vision statements, uh, mission values, all of that stuff's documented. And so when people come on board, they go through that first. And there's like two hours of, of onboard training that they go through and we pay for it. I have no problem with that, but I'm not spending four to six hours uh, bringing somebody through all that stuff over and over again, because it's not like, okay, I hired this person and now they'll always be here. No, it's when they move on, 
You know, we just had an account manager who out of the blue is like two weeks notice, just had a big corporate job that is going to give me everything I need. There is nothing I can say that's going to keep you here. And, there, and right. there's nothing I will say disparagingly about you leaving. That is just, you got to right. go. This is your thing. This is where your life's taking you go. And then as business owners, we have to make sure that we understand that people's lives will intersect with us. But that doesn't mean that once we've connected, that they'll always be in parallel with our vision and our mission and, and where they need to be in their lives. And that's a huge point. And the key word there is intersect, right? All intersections eventually Gotta go. yep. diverge Yeah, and they have to. And it's one of the things that we're really big too with our staff is, is like, look, you're here for, for a period. I don't know how long that season is, but I insist that when your time is up, you have received more from us in terms of personal and professional mm -hmm. development than I can even pay mm -hmm. you. Like when you look back at your time, the money is secondary to how mm -hmm. much you grew, right? Because that's just great business right. for everybody. It helps everybody. Good point on that so, is that I brought a VA in, uh, happens to be a sister of mine. She has fibromyalgia. Mm. She hadn't worked for 20 years. Just finally get in a place where she can, but mm -hmm. she can't work all the time. And it's like, well, I don't need you all the time. Mm -hmm. like, we only take a couple phone calls uh, a day because everybody's emails us. We're digital marketing. <laughs> it's not telephone right. marketing. I want her to do more. And I'm like, I want you to start working on my books. And when I was training her how to do the books, I realized that, wow, she, she doesn't have the training behind the process. So I can teach you a process, but you got to understand the basics. And so over the last year, we yes. got her certified bookkeeper, and now she's certified uh, QuickBooks online user. It's when my business ends up not being a good fit for her, I have set her up on her resume with two certifications and few years of experience that she yep. can go get this type of job with another entrepreneur that was where I was exactly. three years ago. And you know, and that's that's so vitally important. I think that's probably why you and I gravitated to each other as well, because ultimately we share those values, you know, and that's one of the big things that, that we talk about here on this channel is that, you know, you've got to hire for fit before you hire for skill and hiring for fit starts with understanding the values, your values and their values and making sure that they align. There's so many people who just ignore that. And then they wonder why you have culture issues. The question I'm getting to here, because you talked about when you had the big staff, right? And the big building and the fantastic culture that you had. And then you talked about how it transitioned to the virtual first model and a lot of those changes. What I'd like for you to do is, is okay. let's, let's talk culture. And I want to talk culture on really two sides of culture. One, the culture of hiring. How is it different between in-person versus okay. virtual? And then the culture of management, which you've already started mm -hmm. to touch on a bit. Um, but how do you build culture in management that, and how is it different in-person versus All virtual? Right, so hiring is, is interesting because I had a business that was kind of remote to the rest of the United States. So the lowers about a third of all of our employees were brand new to uh, Alaska. So I mean, it's a third of our wow. interviews, or if not more, were virtual already when we were a brick and mortar. And a lot okay. of them couldn't afford, and we couldn't afford at the time either, to fly them up and do all those things. I would say that the big difference is who I'm looking for. 
because the jobs haven't mm. changed. How we do the jobs and the mentality that it takes to do the jobs the way we need them done. I need self-starters. Like we used to do a lot of yeah. interns, right? Like all agencies do, you know, it's like, Hey, if you got 10% of your staff on internship, that's awesome. Like you're saving money to then right. pay for some leads for us. Now it's, I can't take on somebody who is brand new. So we, we just hired a new account coordinator. Now I was looking for somebody with three to five years. Problem is, is I can't get an account coordinator with three to five years experience because all the account coordinators with three to five years experience are looking to be account managers. I don't need one of those. So these people are coming in going, Hey, I want 45, 50 bucks an hour. I'm like, no, this, this job is not one of those. This is a 20 to $30 an hour job. Oh, well, I don't want that. I, I, I figured so <laughs> type of thing But I found, right. So I right. got lucky this time and I found a kid and I say, kid, he's an adult, but he's, he's still in college, but he's like second generation marketer. Like his dad owns an agency. He just doesn't want to work for his dad's agency. I totally get it. He's like, but this Fair. is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to school. For. I'm like, okay, great. I need you for this many. I don't need you full time. He's like, well, I don't have full time for another two years. I still got two years of college. So what do you want to do after that? I want to go work for a company like yours. Okay. That gives me two years to figure out how we utilize you now and by then, maybe you'll be account court manager because you'll have two years of doing what we need you to do. Right. And if you're creative and you have that background because he's already done work for his dad over the years, man, that's great. Am I going to be able to find five more of those? Probably not. That means I have to go back to my SOPs and go, okay, how can we train somebody younger that doesn't need as high a pay, but that we don't have to then mm -hmm. babysit all the way through as well. So we're still f figuring some of those things out. On the flip side, my account managers and my webmasters and my developers and stuff like that, they're quick conversations. Like you either, you get it or you don't. And so mm -hmm. I actually do skills now before culture, because before we were bringing people in and cultivating them, I don't have time to cultivate you. So I need to know that you know your stuff first. So usually they'll talk to a department manager before they talk to me. By the time they talk to me, their first conversation okay. is about culture. It's about fit. But only after the department heads go, yes, this person knows what they're talking about. We can work with them on a technical level. Okay, great. Now let's make sure we can work with them on a cultural level. If those both hit, we bring them through. But even then now, we don't hire people. We test them. They're virtual. Most of my yes. folks have more than one thing. They're in the gig economy anyway. So right now I say, hey, listen. Would you be open to doing a project together on a test basis? So instead of spending all this time getting somebody uploaded and onboarded and trained up on the system, only to find out in their first thing that they were full of crap all the way through the interview process. You say you know what you're doing. You say you can communicate the way we like to communicate. You say you're passionate about this. Let, let me pay you to show me how good you are. Right? Boom. Yeah. Done. And then- yes. They do one. Okay, great. Now you're in the, the queue. Every time you do a great job, you get higher in the queue. The more efficient you are, the more queues you're in, right? The easier you work with, That's the right. higher in the queues you are. And now we're more we're of a meritocracy okay. where your actions speak louder than any words or review or anything like that. I have found that people are great until they're not. And then there's no way for you to tell when an awesome person will stop being awesome.
I had yeah, seven out of 22 do it all at the same time. People who bled BuzzBiz, blue and white and silver, baby, they were all in. Four months later, my worst critics, no clue how, to, how, to, how it happened, but it just, it just did, right? And I can't beat myself up about that. I can only understand yeah. that people will be great until they're not. Until they're not. Yeah. Yeah, 22 people, you lost a person, um, didn't matter. Right. And, I, and yeah. I wasn't the one that managed it. Like I had number twos and number threes right. and department heads and all that other stuff. Right. You lose seven big out of 22. That's, that's when you're having like kumbaya so meetings and going, deal. okay, what's going on? And of course I'm completely bewildered. And so I'm saying all the wrong things. I made it worse. I know I did. And that cost me a couple more people in the end of right there. If when you spent 15 years building something that just went the whole wing of that building just collapsed on you, you're just like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you have no mm -hmm. idea where you're at, you know, in the world. And like, all of a sudden you, you have nothing figured out. Your brain doesn't trust itself anymore. It doesn't trust your self-talk. It doesn't even trust that what your top people are say, telling you. You're like, you're no, that's not right either. Like none of, yeah. none of this makes sense. It's, it's absolutely tough. And I'm, I'm glad you made it through and we all have those pivotal moments now on, on this side, on the virtual first side of hiring staff in, in the remote and world it's, it's, it is a different life. I think our process is actually in, in terms of the way we look at it are very similar in that we hire mm -hmm. for fit first. However, you had to have proven your skill too. And we talk a lot here on the channel too about testing people and the test process. So we actually go through a written interview process where if you apply, there is a minimum of 10 email oh, communications back and forth. That's asking all sorts of questions that, that we need answers back from you, which tells us a ton about what's mm -hmm. going on up in here and some of your capabilities. At least can you communicate right. your capabilities on paper? for positions, especially right. creative positions, um, there always oh. is a test project, paid test project. And get this, I even do my paid test projects before I there ever talk to them. Here you go. But then yeah. I bet my time is worth more than the money it costs me to pay you right. to do a test project. No, I get that. The, the complexities of, of website development, because whatever they mess up, I've got to pay somebody else to fix. I will take the 30 minutes. It's up to 30. Like your first call with me okay. is 30 minutes long. No more. Right. But yes, usually if it's yes. not a fit, I'll know in the um, first five and you will not get more than 15 minutes of my time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's agreed. That. <laughs> agreed. With mine now, I have someone who on the team reviews all interviews to see if there's something that I missed. And they know if I don't talk about the values of our company, right. this person yeah, wasn't get that far. <laughs> Just, they, yep. they didn't get that far. It's over, yep. right? He didn't like them. Let's move I'm on. almost, I don't um, know what you, pay seems to be like the thing that is the last thing we talk about. And I'm almost, and I actually have started pushing that forward. It gives me two things. One, can I afford this person on my team? Because we have a budget. And then number two, what does money mean to this person? Because if, if it's all about the money, yes. then you're probably not a culture fit anyway. So why wait all the way to the end to find out, well, oh, wait, you're so awesome. I want you so bad, but you're yeah. out of my butt. You're out of my price range. Right. And all you care about is money, which means you all the stuff you said about culture was all a lie. <laughs> it's all a lie. And so 
I handle that in this way, and we talk about this here too. That number one, I'll either put it in the job. We description, do, but people don't always read and it. Usually, <laughs> either. Well, but but here's the thing: either in the second or the third mm -hmm. email communication back to them, I reiterate. So in the job description, I ask them, "This is the range," and you have to respond, mm -hmm. "Are you okay with the range?" If they don't mm -hmm. respond that they're okay with the range, they won't even get mm -hmm. a response in right. email. You're done if you didn't respond to that. Then if they do, usually in the second or third email, then I'll ask mm -hmm. again about the range and make sure that they're still happy. And then mm -hmm. I ask them why. If once they've why? given to the price, I always ask them, right? why do you feel that is, regardless of whether it's low or high? Because some people undervalue themselves. And I actually brought on somebody $10 higher than what their last employer uh, mm -hmm. was paying them. And mm -hmm. I even paid them $4 mm -hmm. per hour higher than they asked for. She says, why'd you do that? I says, because this is what we value you at. Correct. That's a, another huge point. And, and nugget there that, that Buzz just dropped in our lap. It's not about a zero sum or, or the lowest sum gain here when you're hiring. You need to pay people what they are worth. And so if you know that you budgeted X, and they ask for X minus Y, don't look at that as an opportunity mm -hmm. to say, oh, I'm saving money, right? If they're truly worth it. Monetizing value is very hard when you talk about other people. And so in your SOPs, in your hiring SOPs, you really should line out, okay, this position mm -hmm. has this range. And to get to the bottom range, you must have these minimum requirements. To get to the level two, you must have these requirements. So we had somebody who came in and was asking about our account coordinator position. Account coordinator position pays anywhere between $20 and $30, and it maxes out at twenty at 30 bucks. And you have to be like on the ball at 30 bucks an hour, like because you are doing remedial right. things. But if you can do it twice as fast as somebody else and I'm paying you $30, I'm making money. And I'm going to give you incentives to do that. She has her own kind of VA thing and she works with agency owners and I get it. But she was like 45, 50 bucks an hour. I'm like, so this job and looking at your resume, you're over overqualified for this. And I wouldn't be able to even come close to mm -hmm. what you would be asking for. So out of respect for you and your experience, I'm going to say you're overqualified for this job and I won't offer it. To, I wouldn't offer it to you if you even asked for it. She emailed back right. through HR and said, I loved my conversation and I love the fact that somebody recognized my value and told me I couldn't have the job because I was too valuable. If you guys ever have an account manager position, which is she, he told me I was uh, um, qualified for, I would love to have that conversation and be in and know when to apply for that. That is yeah. awesome. That's exactly what you want. Now we can probably, which we've done before, talk forever. Let's do that, but let's do that on another episode because there's still even more questions that I wanted to really dive in here with you. And we got off on such a great tangent, which was, which was awesome. Uh, but one of the things that I want to also let everybody know is that you wrote yes, a, a best-selling book. book. And a best-selling book. And you wrote a book. Why don't you give the lead-in to your, your book, right, The Rule so of 26? All right, so video, there's The Rule of 26. The Rule of 26 for service-centric businesses is a three-step process of doubling your website revenue. Again, doubling or just... Yes. So, so not increase it by a little bit. 
basically okay. as COVID hit, we were a done for you only agency. So if you didn't want us doing it for you, then we didn't really want to talk to you. But then COVID hit and I'm sitting pretty with all of my clients. Nobody's signing up for done for you. Nobody. Like everybody's got purses tight. I need to help entrepreneurs. That's why I'm in business is to help entrepreneurs, you know, out of entrepreneurial poverty like what I was in for 15 years. What was the one thing that people get in the way of digital marketing is that they don't know how to make money for it. Well, as agencies, we have all these KPIs. Well, if you go to places like HubSpot, where they have like 58 KPIs that they track for success, nobody cares. Like business owners don't care about the 58 right. Uh, uh, KPIs, right? Um, I think it's too much. I, I don't even too care. Much. Like I, as a marketer, been doing marketing for 30 years, do not care about that many KPIs. No way. I went on a search for the KPIs that directly impact revenue. And the three that I came up with that mm. are digestible quickly are unique traffic, conversion rate, average revenue per mm. client. So the rule 26 states that if you increase your unique traffic by 26%, which like you said, was not is not a lot. And then you increase your conversion rate by 26%. And you increase the average revenue per client coming from your website by 26%. You will get a compounded outcome of 100% or double the revenue coming from your website. Wow. Okay. So I caught that. <laughs> okay. So go to ruleof26.com and you can get a paperback or ebook through Amazon. If your listeners want to get the ebook and the paperback, I will give you a free copy signed if you email me at buzz at buzzworthy.biz, a copy of your receipt for the ebook. How about that, guys? Get a free signed copy of the book by the author of the best-selling author. I am now one of those. Yes. Author, <laughs> Michael Buzinski. My Brother, pleasure, thank man. You. It was beautiful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. This is why we do this because there are real stories and people need to hear these real stories because we're all going through right. similar stuff. And so often we feel like we're alone, no. but we're not. And it's when we see somebody else who has gone through it, come through it and thrived through it, that we can get our strength to push through our situation. So. I appreciate you being here. Uh, we start off with a list of questions. <laughs> I don't think we got to one. <laughs> we just completely went in a different direction, no worries, but that's, I think that's, it's that's important. Everybody you know, knows that yeah, of, when of like this happened to you and in, in different flavors and you know, it's my job, uh, you know, and my vision is to help eradicate entrepreneurial poverty and staff will make you emotionally broke faster than it'll ever make you broke in the bank account. We have to make sure that we're taking yeah. care of ourselves and we have a business that works for us and not the other way around. Absolutely. Michael, again, thank you for being right. here. We'll have you back Sounds real good. soon. Bye. And I'll see Bye. you later. All right. Bye everyone. Bye.